podcast of Grand View Christian Church's Discipleship Team. I'm your host, Kristen Mudrack, the Discipleship Team Coordinator. Last season, we focused on discipleship, what it is, how we pursue it, and what it looks like for our pastors, elders, members, and college students. This season, we are looking at service in the Johnson City area through Grandview's own JC Serve and other ministries. Join us as we highlight each of these ministries and ask how we can best come alongside them to help them serve our community. Our episodes will focus on ministries that we help serve financially, prayerfully, and in physical service, all leading up to our multi-church event, Love JC, on September 25th. If you're interested in serving in any way for any of the ministries we highlight, don't hesitate to contact Nathan at grandviewchristian.org or follow the links in the episode description. Our hope is that you learn more about the ministries we support and others in our area, and you find new ways to pray for them and support them as they carry out their mission to serve JC. Well, welcome back to the podcast. We are so excited today to be talking with Mike Luzatter from Campus House at ETSU. Mike, can you tell me a little bit about the history of Campus House, what you do, and and kind of what your role is there? Yeah, you know, uh, the Campus House, or as it was known then, Christian Student Fellowship, was a plant from First Christian Church in Johnson City to reach the university students. Uh, And for the first few years, really, it, it, it was a Bible study that met on campus led by one of the members of the congregation. This was back in the mid-50s, sort of when campus ministries around the nation were just getting started. Uh, it sort of mushroomed after that. And then in the mid-60s, we hired a full-time campus minister, which was a little bit avant-garde at the time. In the early 70s, we bought this house, the one that sits at the corner of Pine University. And so really, this has been our our position, our our ultimately beautiful position. You know, we're right across the street from ETSU. We couldn't be in a better, a better spot for visibility, location, accessibility. Most of the ministry stuff that we do happens at our house, or at least it starts at our house and moves elsewhere. So it's the hub of things. It has been in the past a, a residence. We rented out the rooms to students for a while. We had campus ministers who lived here for a while. Uh, and since then, we've occupied the whole house with ministry types of things. And we even threw an addition on the backside uh, seven or eight years ago, maybe. What was the second part of your question, Kristen? I'm sorry. What is your role um, at Campus House? I'm a campus minister. My role is simply to be, again, accessible to students, to to be able to provide them some kind of uh, spiritual vision, um, practical insight, uh, we have another lady, Katie Woodward, who works alongside me. She is not quite full-time, but almost. Uh, we have a couple of interns, one lady at Milligan who's helping us right now, Mallory Fell. And we'll have a student intern that also will help us this fall. And the internships generally are provided to students who have a, an interest in missions, or not missions, but in ministry in a full-time capacity, just to get give them a taste of what uh, they might expect and what, what they might do. So. There are a handful of us who hang out here who have some kind of staff orientation. That's awesome. I assume summer is a little bit less busy for you guys at Campus House. What is it like during the school year? Yeah, interestingly, we probably have something five evenings a week at the Campus House. uh, And they usually are very distinct. Uh, On Wednesday, every Wednesday, even through the summer, we worship together. And the summer takes more of a Bible study conversation type of atmosphere but in the in the semesters we'll um, we'll have a good group that'll be in our our 
our back room, our addition. And it's really a conversation that centers around what Jesus has done and how we should react to that. We sing, we pray, we observe the Lord's Supper all on Wednesday nights. On Friday nights, uh, we have a very unique, I think, invitation in which we open up to international students who are at ETSU. We want people to come from every background. This is really about developing friendships, meeting new people. A lot of international students, of course, come not knowing many people. And so we want to provide an outlet for them to get to know Americans or anybody and and just to develop those friendships. So there's the decidedly party atmosphere here on Friday nights. Uh, We're not we're not proselytizing. We'll tell them who we are and we'll tell them why we're doing what we do. But we have snacks and games and just a lot of conversation. Uh, other evenings, we'll have Bible studies to meet here. Uh, there's another group that meets the, the Bridges group that meets at Grandview on, on Sunday afternoons, also meets here on Thursday evenings. And they'll have a meal and and a worship service as well. So there's a lot of activity through the regular semester that, again, is just varied and depends on what the day is as to, as to what you might find. One of the things that we missed during COVID last year was eating together. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to reinstitute that this fall. We've been offering a free lunch every Tuesday for, I don't know, 15 years or more, maybe 20. These have been catered generally by the congregations. Uh, People don't want me cooking. (laughs) Sometimes people will give a little bit of money and allow Katie or one of our students to cook. But ordinarily, uh, we'll have a group from church that will come and, and cater a meal. The calling ladies at Grandview have particularly been interested in this the past and in a a bang up job providing the meal for 40, sometimes 50 people who just want to walk in. Uh, again, we want to catch international students in this. We want to build relationships with them in the middle of the day. Everybody's going to take a lunch break. You may as well come and take a lunch break with us and eat good food that's free. With Absolutely. A fun so we've provided that in the past and we missed it last year. Yeah. So they're really just distinct parts, pillars of, of who we are and what we do. Yeah. How did COVID affect the campus house, um, both in good ways and in bad ways? Yeah, it was ugly. I got to tell you, it it was hard. It was hard to get people to want to be t- together, yeah. especially people who know each other. And that's a lot of what happens at the beginning of a semester is getting people who don't know each other in the same place. So any gathering that we had, we had distance and protection, but we found that people really weren't interested. Yeah. And students especially were overwhelmed with all of the online Zoom stuff from classes that they they didn't want another option for that, for their social life. So every aspect of what we did last year was affected. We continued doing everything except for lunch, but it was just with uh, a lot less interest in, in numbers from yeah. our worship service down to our international student activities. It was just, it was different and, and hard. Yeah. It probably is a positive Christian, but I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> I I think in time, those positives will come through. But right now, I think a lot of us are still in the, this was really bad and sometimes still is. Um, it's it's not, not quite over yet. When you have students who come in, do you have any stories of students that have really been affected by Campus House, whether it's where they go in their future or where they are right now, anything that sticks out to you as something that was really, really cool? You know, this happens all the time. Part of my own experience is a campus ministry in, in which I was affected for Jesus and, and decided in a life of ministry. 
which is not what I expected to do beforehand. But we see this all the time where people come and they, they mature in Christ. People who've come as Christians, they will mature in Christ and realize, oh, my vision of being X, Y, Z was sort of a childish perspective. And I think I can really serve the kingdom by doing A, B, or C instead. I, I have a, a ton of stories, I suppose, Kristen, but none of them just off the top of my head are exceptional. They're sort of normal, it seems to me. Mm-hmm. We have had uh, a handful of international students, especially that have been affected by this ministry, who have maybe heard about Jesus before coming to the States. And then through their time here have developed enough friendships had enough conversations that they have made decisions for Christ. Yeah. And uh, some of them have returned to their home countries. Others have continued their, their scholastic pursuits here in the States and still are, are here in, in this country. But uh, that, that's, that's the norm. We want to affect people's perspective on their effectiveness, their usefulness, and they may continue to serve in, you know, the field in which they've studied, but they're, going to leave here, hopefully, with a different attitude about how they can be useful and what they can do, and that they really can lead a Bible study or a Sunday school class, or maybe they want to champion missions. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I know in my own experience, I went to grad school at a um, large institution, non-religious affiliated, and we had several ministries like Campus House, Um, one that I was a part of that we would go and do um, Bible study and eat together. And then we also had some times that we would go out and serve in the community. Um, And that was really meaningful to so many of us, most of whom came from a Christian background, but we didn't have that connection at school. Um, And so that campus ministry was very important um, for us. We make those big decisions in this time of our lives. We choose who we're going to marry. We choose our careers. A lot of our values are, are cemented and having having a community around us is the biggest part of this. Absolutely. I'm not a community organizer, but, but sort of. Yeah. In a way, it's about developing this group of people who are going to be lifelong friends and who are going to sharpen each other. Yeah, you know? absolutely. You mentioned that you kind of got to this ministry in a roundabout way. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how you got into Campus House? You, you particularly here at East Tennessee State or in general? Ministry in general. Yeah, so I started off as a freshman at Eastern Illinois University and really had no intention of going to the campus ministry. I went on a dare, actually, to one of their initial programs and really to fulfill an obligation to say, hey, look, I was there. You know, you owe me now. Yeah. And I was overwhelmed by by peers who were genuinely in love with Jesus in a way that I didn't understand. It didn't make sense to me. I had seen... Christianity from a childish perspective of a bunch of rules to be kept. And I was sort of done with that. And so I, I think really seeing my peers in action was the most important, hmm. profound thing. I was only there for two years before I decided that I wanted to do ministry and I transferred away to Bible college. But those were the two most important years of my life when it came to discerning, growing, maturing, not being a punk. I don't know, all kinds of stuff like that. So I wanted to get into campus ministry, and my rationale was simply that if this kind of effect has been made on my life, I want to do the same kind of thing for somebody else's life. Yeah. So in the Christian churches, things like campus ministry still, even today, are a little bit of a tough nut to crack. You don't just 
fill out a resume and show up for it. Most people who are in campus ministry know it's the greatest gig in the world and they're not leaving. Yeah. So you've got to find an opening at the right time. My wife and I lived in Evansville, Indiana for the first almost five years of our marriage because there was an opening there at a ministry. And then because of her roots, especially here in Johnson City, when this opening occurred in 98, we applied for the position. And so we live in Johnson City. I hate to say this, but it's true because of geography. Yeah. Because she has family who are here in Johnson City. And, and actually, God, I think, lives in Johnson City someplace because it's the most beautiful place in the world. Agreed. That's awesome. I, I've talked to so many people throughout this podcast and um, and in many other capacities where we kind of take a roundabout way to getting to where God needs us and where he wants us. Um, and and your story is, is very similar to that. What are some of the ways that you have seen Grandview's congregation and others get involved with your ministry? I know you mentioned um, bringing food um, from the calling group uh, to Tuesday lunch. What else have people done for you? Yeah, not to not to kiss up to Grandview at all, but Grandview has been exceptional in the attention and quality of attention that they've given. Uh, not merely in the serve JC, or not merely in providing a lunch for our Tuesday lunch program, not merely in providing snacks for our World Cafe, but all of those are included. Yeah, uh, Grandview prays for us regularly, and that's a big deal. Uh, there was a certain point, even a couple of years ago, where everyone on the missions committee received that weekly prayer update that I send out. And there are a couple of congregations that have made that kind of commitment, but Grandview was exceptional in that consistently people drop by. And because of the connections we have at Grandview with my family and stuff, I just tend to know a lot of people. So it's not out of the ordinary for people to drop by and ask how we're doing or to bring a plate of cookies that they had left over or to mention somebody that I asked for prayer four weeks prior. And tell me that they're continuing to pray. So I really, I believe that Grandview gives us a lot of attention, a lot of good attention. And I'm excited about that. Yeah. I'm excited that people know us and know what we're doing and and are proud of that. A lot of our students, in fact, have filtered into Grandview and become members there and and work in different capacities. So, yeah. Um, you mentioned that you guys have taken a couple of interns in the last few years. Um, when did you start doing that? And what's kind of the goal with those um, students under your under your guidance? Yep. So the, the larger intern program began, wow, maybe 30 years ago, long before me. I don't know what the interest was in, uh, in launching that. Uh, but since I've been around, which is 22 years, this has been really to give people a taste of ministry. We're looking for upperclassmen who have been around a little bit, uh, we pay them a little bit of money to give us 10 hours a week in ministry capacities. Now, not all of it's ministry. Okay, all of it is ministry, but some of it's cleaning toilets and mopping floors. Other parts of it, though, are leading the Bible study. Everyone's required to do that. They're all required to have some kind of project that uh, is a group project. So it's not just them building something, creating something something that they're encouraging their peers to do with them, whether it's to go to Pine Oaks and play bingo or whether it's to go to the Salvation Army and scoop lunch once a week, something that involves the community and that involves some kind of service aspect. And that's usually been up to them. These internships are designed to last for us a semester just to allow another person to have an opportunity to come in and do this. 
And again, we've has, had, I think, great success in this. Not everybody has gone into ministry uh, in a vocational sense, but most of them have, most of them leave this internship with a, again, a perspective like I can lead a Bible study, I can pray aloud, I can be a useful member in the congregation. And I think that that's a huge win for us. Yeah, that's amazing. We developed uh, a, a super intern program later that was to affiliate with the seminary stuff at Emmanuel. And that, we've also had some good results from that. This, again, is a different class of people then. This is, these are people who already have vocational ministry in their, in their mind. Probably they're coming from a campus ministry. And so we have different expectations of them when they arrive and what they will do, higher responsibilities yeah. for overseeing ministry aspects and things. That's amazing. Um, I know that experience is one of those things that, you know, everybody's looking for on, on their resume or their CV. And this is a fantastic way for you to give students that experience, but also to mentor them along the way, um, which, which is fantastic. Can you talk a little bit more about the international student population that you work with typically and how they how that population maybe is a little bit different than a domestic student coming to campus house. What are kind of their needs um, that we might be able to meet and, and how do you try to meet those? Yeah. So this, this has changed a little bit. Um, About 10 years ago, we had a student, uh, actually she was a a graduate student at, at Emmanuel who just had a burden and an interest in international students. And so she began hanging out with people on ETSU's campus and then came to us. I was taking classes at the time. So she was a, a peer in class and she said, Hey, can we do something using the facility at the campus house? And so this international ministry then sort of mushroomed from there. Uh, we, we saw a lot that a social platform was what was necessary. They really wanted the chance to hang out. They wanted the place to come to be loud, to be themselves, to share a little bit about their their histories, about some of their cultural aspects. And so this World Cafe thing was born then from that. I don't know how we reasoned on Friday evening, but we did. And really it became a big deal pretty quickly. And so coincidentally, and this wasn't part of my knowledge, but at that time ETSU had really thrown open the floodgates to welcome international students to campus, both graduate and then also importantly, undergraduate. Mm-hmm. Graduate students are always a little bit harder to, to catch on to. Um, they're more focused about things. They have less free time. But undergraduates, they've, they've got a lot of free time, they think, and they want to hang out, and especially they want to talk. Yeah. So World Cafe then became a place for these, this new influx of undergraduate students to come and have conversations with native English speakers and to share in a, a very safe environment about who they were, about some of their cultural things. They would give a, a PowerPoint or a slide program or show a brief video clip from back home in Singapore or Peru or Bangladesh or someplace like that and just talk about you know, this is where I come from. These are the holidays we observe. This is how we cook together, or eat together, or this is where our governments are set up. Yeah. And it became just a great thing. We were bustling about five, six, seven, eight years ago. This place was packed on a Friday. It was uncomfortable to be here. It was too loud. It was too hot. It was too, too packed. And it was difficult to move around. 
and I wouldn't have come here except that it was my obligation to be here. They loved being here. It, it hurt my old man ears is what it did, but it was important. Yeah. So since then, ETSU has, they've amended their international student um, population. I don't know all the specifics. We have less undergrads now. Uh, the They used to offer a certificate for English language where people would come for 10 weeks at a time, I think, and earn a certificate. And so that's no longer a part of what ETSU offers. And so we're just not seeing the undergraduate openness that we had in the past. Sure. So now it's a lot more graduate students. And we, we had a good group again before COVID. Uh, but it, over COVID, I don't think we met one or two new people last year. It was just yeah. hard to meet new people in that, yeah. in that area. Uh, again, Grandview has been really particular. I think once a month, Grandview was coming and bringing uh, snacks. Mm-hmm. And even uh, there were a group of people who would stay. Teresa, Lisa, especially, would come and spend some time with us, hang out, play games, and talk. Uh, so that's been a, a particular interest. We always have have a, a need for people to simply come and talk. So if um, Charlie Bennett did this for a while, where he would come and simply want to develop a conversation, actually a relationship with people, and so he would spend some time here on Friday nights just trying to get to know people and develop relationships outside of this context with them. That's always an open invitation to people from Grandviews to come on a Friday night and and to mingle. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned that we bring food for that because that was actually my first exposure to Campus House when I started coming to Grandview several years ago. The Sunday school class that I was a part of sent around a sign-up sheet for snacks for this international student night. And I looked at the person next to me. And I said, um, what, what is this? And yeah. so that, that was how I was actually introduced, um, to campus house. Um, we talked a little bit before today about love JC, um, and how that has impacted your ministry. What kinds of things have people come in and helped you with during love JC and what kind of things do you see on the horizon maybe for this year? Yeah, I've got to tell you that, um, there are three or four congregations in the area who have had particular interest in the physical facility of the campus house. And this has risen in popularity over the last three or four years with youth groups. So it's become almost customary that five or six times a year, we'll have a group. Sometimes it's adults, sometimes it's teenagers who want to come and descend on our building and do stuff, paint stuff, clean stuff, uh, Sometimes it's, it's a project for preparing an invitation to students and, th- and things like that. So this summer, we've already had two groups descend on the campus house. They've cut hedge. They've painted the room. They've washed all the windows. We've killed weeds, planted flowers. When Love JC came last time, we had uh, some people who washed every window in the entire house. We waxed the wood floors that we have. We moved all the furniture out. We repainted the room. We we trimmed paint on a room that needed well some extra help. The they painted the outdoor sign for us at the time. Yeah. Uh, there's a we have a brick house, but there's a strip of concrete that's part of the foundation. We had a group of teenagers that painted that for us. Uh, Larry specifically went and he cleaned the hedge row between us and the and the neighbor house next door. Just something that. I don't get done ordinarily. Yeah. And he probably cut three or four feet back 
from all the hedge and the limbs that, that were just hanging over on our property. So these are the kinds of things that people have done in the past. They've all been huge for us. And sometimes it's, it's menial, like pulling weeds. Um, but really that, that just, it's part of the bigger perspective of things. And I can't tell you what we might have in September, but we will have some important jobs that are practical and important for the upkeep of this place. You know, this house is over a hundred years old now and it's used almost every day. Yeah, uh, It's still in pretty good shape. And that's because people are willing to come and, and to help us to maintain it. Yeah. And I'm very grateful for that. Absolutely. Um, what kind of financial support do you get for Campus House? I know that as a, a JC Surf partner, you get some financial support from Grandview. Where else do you find the finances to help keep this ministry running? Yep. There are 40 plus, maybe 42 Christian churches or Churches of Christ in Upper East Tennessee and maybe Southeast Virginia, Southwest Virginia, that are supporting congregations ranging from Abingdon down to Greenville. Most of the larger Christian churches in the area are, are financial supporters. Some of the smaller congregations, they're, they're a little bit more streamlined. And so they have a certain mission that they've had for 30 years that they support. So I, I feel very connected to all the congregations in the area just because of the, the connections we've developed with them. These congregations, I would guess, are between 60 and 70 percent of our financial support. The remainder of that then comes from individuals, whether they're alums or just interested people in the area who who see a need and, and want to meet it. Uh, we've been blessed by God in a huge way when it comes to finances. Again, I've been here for 22 years and we've operated in the black the entire time. Uh, we don't have a whole lot sitting in an account, but we we operate in the black all the time. We've been fiscally conservative about the way that we spend and maintain. Uh, most of that, of course, goes toward ministry stuff since the house is paid off now. And, and a lot of it goes to what we can do to, to enable student ministry here on campus. So yeah. we've been very blessed by God um, through people here. That's awesome. When people drive by <clears throat> the campus house and when they meet people who have come to the campus house, whether it's to serve or whether it's as a student, what do you hope people see from what you do? Yeah, you know, I really hope that when people drive by, they see they see people around. I know that it doesn't always happen because I drive by when I'm out in the area and sometimes it's locked up and tight and dark. But I really hope that they see people buzzing around. I hope that they see people sitting on the porch talking or that they see the lights on and off or a ton of cars on the street or in the back parking lot. I really would love for people to pray for us every time they drive by. Most people in Johnson City drive by this building a couple, three times a day. I would love if they would simply offer a prayer and ask God to give us insight and wisdom as to how how best we can meet the needs of the students, what new projects we can initiate, or how we can best answer questions that the students have. So we've been operating on prayer for, for a lot of years, and if people would simply offer a, a bona fide good prayer as they drive by, asking for God to, to help us meet the needs of the students, that would be significant yeah. for us. Do you have any other specific prayer requests for this upcoming school year in particular? Yeah, I got to tell you, we are at a deficit for student leadership right now. We, just because of graduation and COVID and things like that, we were not able to develop 
the volume of student leaders that we probably need. Uh, so we have just a, a handful, whereas we probably need a, a good group. So uh, people can pray for our student leaders and that God would send us some men and women who want to, to assume responsibility for ministry to their peers. Um, that really probably is one of the bigger deficits right now, it seems to me, is just people who have chosen deliberately to, to be responsible uh, for, for maintaining what goes on here. We, we also had a, just a huge glitch when it came to international students. And again, like I mentioned, we, we didn't develop the newer students that we'd expected. So uh, as you might expect in a campus ministry, the handoff from year to year is sort of exceptional and overwhelming. And if, if you have a bad year, uh, that just leads to some problems in the next year. So we need to develop some relationships with international students pretty quickly here in August to September in order for our World Cafe to thrive the yeah. way it ought to. So those are, I think, two big, two big requests yeah, for us. absolutely. Um, I think my last question for you today is, how best do we as a community serve you and how do we get involved? First, we have been served by the community and by Grandview. And again, I'm grateful for that. Grandview has had exceptional interest and activity in what we do. Uh, from finances to just interest and, and being here. And so I'm not sure I could ask for anything more. We're championed during the congregation's prayer uh, once every two months at least. Uh, there's a good handful full from Grandview who every week are praying for us. People know what goes on here. They care about what goes on here. And I'm not sure I could ask anything more. People are, are welcome to stop by anytime. If my truck or if Katie's van is here, most likely we're either here or on campus. And we could give you a, a thumbnails perspective of what's new and happening. But I'm grateful for what we have right now. And I, I, I'm not sure I could ask yeah. for anything more. Well, Mike, I am so grateful for your ministry and for the way that you reach out to students who may have never heard the gospel before through the way that you are serving them and the way that you are um, leading and teaching. Um, I know sometimes campus ministry can be thankless. Um, and so I want to say thank you for what you do um, and for the way that you do it here in this area. If you're listening today and you're interested in getting involved with Campus House, you can go to campushouse.org and see what they're up to. Um, you can also email Mike directly at campushouse.etsu at gmail.com. And I'll stick both of those links in the podcast uh, description for you. If you're interested in helping out on September 25th with Love JC and especially with Campus House, I know Mike will have some great things planned for you to get involved in. Um, and we look forward to helping to serve in that way um, again this year. Join us next time on this podcast where we'll talk to one of our other ministries in the area and see how we can help them serve our community.